0: Glory to God. We're so honored that you all could be with us today. And to celebrate Miss Gail with us. Now, she's worked mighty hard for a long time. And now she's gonna kick back a little bit. So y'all don't be calling her saying, do this and do that, okay? I know it's be hard to keep her down, so she'll still be around, she'll still be doing her thing, but uh she won't be doing the office work anymore, and, uh, but we'll get to see her on Sunday. Praise God. Praise God. We're so tickled uh, to have such wonderful people in our church, and I got this in Idaho. It's organ music, hymns and organ music. If you like that kind of thing, it's yours for free, okay? Okay? <laughs> And if you don't, Freddie has instructions as to what to do with this, <laughs> so uh and he it may not be very kind, so if you like organ music by all means, come and take it home. No, it's from the organist at the Lutheran Church in Emmett, Idaho oh, okay. yeah that's that's where that came from. It's not him playing it's his favorite uh, organ music that he listened to. So, Okay, now we're going to start. I hope you all had a good breakfast this morning because Dorman said, do the Gideon message and preach. So about 3 o'clock, you all will be ready to eat. What do you think? (laughs) I didn't get too many uh, amens on that, so maybe we'll try to do it a little quicker than that. But I'm. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. We are celebrating Miss Gail today. I hope y'all saw that on the board. But if you didn't, by all means, after church, there is a mighty fine meal planned to celebrate her right over there and be there or be square. Okay? I mean, that's just that simple. It's awesome. You don't want to miss it. Okay. I'm going to do it a little backwards. I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to give you the Gideon message. That's the way the Holy Ghost says for me to do it. So we're going to do that. Uh, I want, but first off, since we're going to do it that way, uh, I want to know which one of you uh, have kept the law perfectly since you've been saved. I'm still looking for somebody's hand. Okay. Uh, Now, Jesus, what did he do? He took our sin. He kept it perfectly so we didn't have to. And he gave us his gift of righteousness and took our sin. Did he not? Okay, now I want you to jump with me from there to Acts chapter 15. And guess what's going on? The Judaizers are arguing with the apostles who spent the last three and a half years with the Lord himself. Now, that's when you know religion has got up in your face and messed you up, okay? When you're arguing with the Lord God Almighty himself. You is deep in religion. So I'd recommend you not be there. I'd recommend you stick with Jesus because none of us can keep the law. He kept it for us. I'm going to trust in His grace and His gift of righteousness. And uh, if y'all want to perform, y'all go right ahead. But just leave a little distance between me and you because I don't want to get that burn up. Anyway, here's the deal. Jesus is the embodiment of the Father. When we seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. Here's the other piece of that. He was the light of men. And he came into the world to bring us this light. And when he left, he didn't take the light with him. He gave it to us. And apart from us, there is no other light in this world. So let your little light shine. You ever heard that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? Okay. So here these guys are. They're arguing. And I want you to turn, if you would like, to Acts chapter 15 and verse 19. And what's going on here is these Judaizers are arguing with the apostles. They're arguing with the apostles, the guys that spent their three and a half years with Jesus. They knew he got up from the ground because he taught them for 40 days. They watched him ascend into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. Well, all power and all authority in heaven and earth were given unto him. And guess what he did with that? Turn around and gave it to us. And these knuckleheads are arguing with them. About, oh, you can't be saved unless you keep the law. Well, good luck with that, horsefly. Go head on. I would not recommend it. So here we go. This is what the apostles finally come to. Peter says... Are you nuts? Did you not know that the non-Jewish people, believers, got the gift of the Holy Ghost? Get off of me, basically, in our terms. And James had enough of it. Who is James? He is the half-brother of Jesus our Lord. Do you think he might have known a little something about Jesus? Possibly. This is what he stands up and says, look, this is enough. We're not going to put what we couldn't keep as Jews on non-Jews. We're not going to do it. But here's what the Holy Ghost says to me that is good. And let's see what he says. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. But should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. Now, that was what they sent Paul and Silas and Barnabas and John Mark and all those guys out to tell the church all over the world. They wrote a letter for them to deliver. And Paul's already gone on his first missionary journey right here. Now he's going on the second one. And, of course, he and Barnabas get sideways about John Mark, and they split and go their separate ways, and Paul takes Silas with him. Now, why am I telling you that? You ever had a disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ? Huh? That ruins your walk. That ruins your witness, right? Get over it! It did not. Good grief. Seriously. The Lord God Almighty declares you righteous, and you think because you had a disagreement with one of your brothers and sisters that you're shipwrecked? Come on. You're going to have disagreements. You might have disagreements about really good things. How do you do certain things? Well, we do them in love. As much as it is in us to be at peace with all others, we will. Who wrote that? The guy that just got mad at Barnabas over John Mark. Didn't he? You know why he got mad at him? Calls John, they got to southeast Turkey and Mark, John Mark, decided, I got to go back to Jerusalem. And Paul says, you coward. Let me ask you, which one of you have ever been out street witnessing in a big city? Well, look. I'm going to tell you something. I've done it plenty of times. And I don't think any of you are cowards because you weren't standing beside me. How about that? I'm not called to what you're called to. You're not called to what I'm called to. Hey? All right. All right. Now, Paul, praise God, he's such a great guy in showing us what reality is and Peter he and Paul knocked heads over Peter leaving the Gentiles and going eating with the Jews right because the Jews show up and then Peter all of a sudden can't eat with the Gentiles anymore and Paul calls him out on it in front of God and everybody he says hey what do you think you're doing hold that thought and turn with me one page over to Acts chapter 16. And Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him. And circumcised, circumcised him because of the Jews who was in those places. Now, if CNN had that story, this is ESV, by the way, Rod, uh, Oh, Paul's a hypocrite. He's two-faced, right? He took poor old Timothy, just a young kid, about 17 years old, had him circumcised. If I was Timothy, I'd say, hey, you go get circumcised. Yeah, I'm sure that delayed the missionary trip a little while. So here's the whole deal. Here is Paul, who just called out Peter, who's just been arguing with the Judaizers, and now he's having Timothy circumcised. Wait a minute. Ain't this the same Paul that said grace is enough? Is this not the same Paul who stood before kings and said grace is enough? He's having Timothy circumcised. What did Timothy do? Did he kick him in the shins or something? I don't know. No. No. Paul also said, what was Paul zealous for? His own people. He said, if I could be cursed to save them, I'd do it. Okay? And then, he has Timothy circumcised. Why? Because he knows he's going to the Jews. They know that Timothy's mother is a Jew. They know his father is a Gentile. So just to keep down all the fluff and puff, he said, "Let's Timothy going to get circumcised. And Timothy must have agreed to it. Okay? So uh, sometimes when our brothers and sisters are doing things, they don't look right to us. And we sit in the judgment seat and we say, huh, what are they doing? Them hypocrites. Sure looked like Paul was a hypocrite. If CNN was reporting on him, he'd be a hypocrite. Right here. Right? The greatest apostle that ever lived. A hypocrite. I don't think so. Anyway... So they go through all these cities in southern Turkey, and one of them is Galatia. What did he say to the Galatians? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you were saved by the Spirit? Now you're going back under the law? So the churches were strengthened in the faith as they travel around. The Word of God says it right here. And they were going to Bithynia, which is in southern Turkey. But the Holy Ghost come to a dream and a dream to Paul and said, Mm-mm. he showed him a man of Macedonia and he said, come over here and help us. Where's Macedonia? It's in Greece. Okay. Now we're on the European continent. And guess what happens? He goes with a bunch of women A bunch of women. Some of us were raised Baptists, and you know women are not supposed to say anything. They sure not supposed to preach. They sure not supposed to teach men. Woo-wee. Can't do that. I wonder what they do with that scripture that says there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female in Christ. I don't know what they do with that. I guess they just tear that one out and throw it away. But here's the thing. There was a lady named Lydia that heard the gospel. And guess why? That's why your bottom is sitting in this seat this morning. That was the first gospel in Europe. Praise God for Lydia. And all these people talking about, women don't be teaching men. They, don't, they ain't supposed to preach. Well, I want you to put a death knell in that right now. Tell me the Holy Ghost can't use a woman? Are you nuts? The first woman to carry the gospel, the first person, was a, was Mary Magdalene. The one in which he cast out... Seven demons? God didn't call us to judge. He called us to love. He called us to go and tell the truth. Okay, well Paul is preaching. He's going around and this little demon-possessed gal is behind him hollering about, These are the men who preach from the Most High God. You'd think. Hey, free public announcement let her go right Paul knew she was demon possessed and I believe his heart was overwhelmed because she was being used by the people who owned her as a slave so she could prophesy through the devil the devil counterfeits every gift we've been given Okay, just so you know that, the way you tell the difference is love. Okay, that's how you tell. All right, Paul finally gets enough of it. He turns around to her and says, come out of her in Jesus' name. Well, you know what happens when he said that. It come out. And her owners saw they had lost their investment got down to money, and now we're going to beat the snot out of Paul and Silas. And that's exactly what they did. They took them to the magistrates, and they had them beaten with rods. If you don't know what a rod is, it's a piece of wood about that long, about as big as your little finger. And these guys hold it like a baseball bat and hit that person. It'll bruise the bone. And that's how these guys were beaten. For what? Money. So don't think today that you're going to get out of it. You will be persecuted in his name if you stand up for his name. Count on it. He said if they persecute and hate me, they're going to persecute and hate you. Hello. Okay. So what happened? They put him in the prison, locked their feet in stocks. But about midnight, Paul doesn't think himself happy, and he must have helped Silas get there too, because they're singing hymns and praising God in midnight in the prison with their feet in the stocks. And we get in our car and turn on the air conditioning and it don't come on. we cry and whine and we got to go back home because we can't drive to church that far without the air conditioning. Lord God. But anyway, they're singing and the place shakes and everything breaks and the doors come open. And the jailer says, oh man, I'm going to kill myself. All them jokers is gone. They're going to kill me, chop my head off in the morning. And so he's about to fall on his sword, and Paul hollers out, we're all here, don't do yourself any harm, don't do that, stop that. This guy is so blown away by that, by what? By what is he blown away? Seeing God's power. Seeing God's love, those guys could have, if everything had come loose, all they had to do was get up and walk out. They didn't. So he comes and bows down before Paul and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? And he and his house were saved. They fed Paul and Silas, washed them up and cleaned them up. And guess what happened? The next day, Paul says to him. He says, you're free to go. You can go now. We beat you up and, you know, all that stuff. Now you can leave. Paul says, oh, no. I'm a Roman citizen. You beat me without a trial. Ooh. That means everybody gets their head cut off. That's the penalty for that. Mm. You're not going to send us away without making this right. Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have a First Amendment. We have a Second Amendment. We have the right to free speech in this country. And I want to know when you're going to stand up and the church is going to stand up and reclaim it. You see what Paul did. Yeah, that's what they said about him in the next chapter. Everywhere this guy goes, it's a riot. Okay? I heard an English preacher says something's wrong with the modern gospel and the guy says what do you mean? he says look everywhere I go they serve tea everywhere Paul went it was a riot <laughs> something is wrong well I'll tell you what's wrong we've gotten weak kneed and forgotten who we are and who lives in us Now, you can say, well, I'll lose my check. Yeah, you will. And Antifa might punch you in the nose. Yeah. And the people at your county might say, you can't do that. And that's when you got to stand up on your hind legs and say, oh, yes, I can. I'm an American citizen. I have these rights, and you are not taking them from me. That's walking in Christ, too. Okay? Now, Christ is love. Okay? But is it love to let people go to hell not knowing the gospel? Because we're too wimpy to stand up for it? Is that what we want to do? Really? Let's don't do that. Anyway, the magistrates come and... Bow down to these guys, basically, because they knew they were fixing to lose their heads. But, you know, Paul being full of grace, didn't let that happen. He said, uh, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? Ain't having it. No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So where did they go? Back to Lydia's house. And she took care of them, and they left from there to go on the rest of their missionary journey. The point I wanted to make with that, you all, is like little Jimmy. Little Jimmy went to Sunday school. And he was in Sunday school. And the answer to all the questions from the Miss Sunday school teacher was Jesus. Right? It's always Jesus. So little Johnny had learned this. And so... Miss Sunday school teacher says, what has a long furry tail, climbs trees, and hides nuts? Little Jimmy sticks his hand up and he says, uh, I know the answer is Jesus, but sound like a squirrel to me. (laughs) So let's not miss the obvious. Do you think Christ is going to be honored when his people hide him under their bushel? No way. I'm not here to beat you up. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you've been given the light of the world. Quit playing around. The power of God is behind you. Quit letting these pumpkin heads in the government tell us what to do. It's, they work for us. We don't work for them. You're in a constitutional republic where you elect representatives, and they work for you. And they need to be reminded of that. And the bureaucrats that tell us we can't do certain things need to be reminded of that. On a very regular basis. Mark Twain said diapers and politicians should be changed often and for the same reason. So let's don't forget that. So I want you to think about what you've been given. Uh, And here we go. We're going to get into the Gideon message here right quick. And I want you to hear what the Word of God can do. This thing is alive. I'm here to tell you. And the one who wrote it lives inside of you. He's the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something else. There's never been a hydrogen bomb that's half the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen what he says about his word. This is what he says. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the word of God is living. It's not words on a page. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'm going to tell you, that's why these government bureaucrats don't want you distributing the Word of God. Because you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But you have to know the truth. It only sets you free about what you know. Okay? Eleven three Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So, what I'm telling you is this: all the stuff you see, all the beauty you drive through, all the money you pay to go to resorts, and all that kind of stuff, God spoke it into being. That same God lives right inside of you. I write to you, fathers: this is 1 John, uh, 2nd chapter, and 14th verse. English Standard Version. We're getting down to us now. It says, I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Who do you know? You know the Father. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. You believe that? If we really believe something, it changes what we do. Done it? it? Sure does. It makes us do different things than what we used to. Revelation nineteen eleven through sixteen. This is my one of my favorites in the whole word. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness. He judges and makes war. That sounds like a little Sunday school Jesus, huh? I don't think so. He says, his eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is Jesus, the living word. What does John say about him? Now, John is the guy that laid on his breast at the Last Supper. What did he call himself? I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Whoa. What I would say to you is, uh, you best not mess with John. They tried to French fry him and it didn't work. They tried a lot of stuff on John and it didn't work. Mm Mm-mm. This is what John had to say. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything that was made was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's another John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. Guess what? We bear witness about the light and we are the light. Glory to God. The true light is who? Him and us. Which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And it still don't. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. So you're going to let somebody talk down to you. you're going to let them tell you you don't have a right to do this or that when you belong to God Almighty. that's why this nation's free now. All other revelations, revolutions, excuse me, that started started from the poor people and came out to throw out the rich people. In America, it was upside down. The rich people started the revolution. You know why? Because about 40 years before that, in this nation was what was called a great awakening. If you want your socks blessed off, you go read about George Washington's walk as a Christian. Even Thomas Jefferson. Our least religious founder. These guys signed paper called the Declaration of Independence, which they knew was their death warrant. They knew it. They pledged their lives, their property, and their sacred honor. Why? So we could be free. Why do you do that? Because of the love of Christ. You don't do that because you're trying to make money. Hello? Back on point. John 13. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And jumping down to verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Are we saying the law was not the truth? That it was not grace? Uh Uh-uh. Not like Jesus' grace. You know what he did? He came and fulfilled the law. He kept it for us because he knew we couldn't. And then he turns around and gives us his righteousness. What a deal. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing more powerful than his blood. Listen, for as the rain, Isaiah 55, 10. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You know who said that? Almighty God. For you. Now listen. This talking about you. Shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the word of Of almighty God. Don't be ashamed. You know you have a right. To carry this thing. Anywhere you want to. You have a right. To read from it aloud. Anywhere you want to. You have a right. To give it to people. Anywhere you want to. And I praise God. That he allowed me. To be part. Of the Gideons International. Who do that on a everyday basis. Last year, the Bibles in the USA that were passed out were 10.1 million. These are not... We don't charge people for these. We give it to them because they need it. Bibles given last year around the world, 83 million. Since the beginning... 1899, 2.4 billion words of God have been passed out. You know that uh, Gideons don't pay their missionaries. They pay their own way. You're not taking our blessing from us. We pay our own way so he can bless us. And he does. And you know what? Five bucks puts this thing in a hotel room 2300 people will read this thing in six years and about half of them will be saved and I don't care how good a missionary you are you go on that room at 2 o'clock in the morning when he's thinking about doing that he ain't gonna let you in it's already there And the Holy Ghost is all up in that room. That's why we put them out in faith. The other thing that happens is I want to tell you about a few testimonies, and we're going to be done here pretty quick. Raymond Ezeb said he was born in hell. His own father held him down and shot heroin into his veins. He's 13 years old. Raymond makes Big Dave over here look like a peanut. He's a big boy. I met him down at Plainview. He was in a gang called the Black Devils in San Antonio. Raymond would just do that to a door, and they'd come in. They'd go in and take what they wanted. Well, he did that one day, and a guy was waiting on him with a shotgun on the other side of the door, blowed him back out the door. And uh, he didn't die. So... They uh, passed him up and put him on parole. Well, he is robbing a man in downtown San Antonio, hit him with a pipe and killed him. They put him in Huntsville. And everybody was scared to death of him because he was mean and big enough to do something with it. So this is what the Gideons do. Old men's like me take one of them little testaments and they go into prison. And they say, the word of God for free. Take it. Raymond said, get that thing away from me. I can't read. That ain't going to do me any good. Older, wiser man says to Raymond, says, Raymond, I want you to take this thing. I want you to put it over your heart when you go to sleep tonight. And I want you to ask God to make his peace with you. Raymond. He said, Raymond, will you do it? Are you brave enough to do it? Of course, you know. Oh. Mm. So he put it over his heart and went to sleep. Next day, Raymond woke up. He could read the book of Romans. He could not read the paper. He could not read magazines. And he could not read the other books of the Bible. But he could read Romans. And he read Romans over and over and over. And guess what? Mr. Bad Boy come Mr. Good Boy. He loves everybody. You better not get too close to him. he grab you in <laughs> big bear hug. And he says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to get out of this prison because God's going to let me out. He then told me. Well, he did. And this is what he does. That same community he terrorized as a youth, he's a pastor of 300 people in that church. The old man that held him down shot heroin into his veins. He's the head of the deacons in that church. And the mother that stood by and did nothing about it. She has a ministry where she takes young ladies off the streets every day in San Antonio. And tells them about the love of Christ. And helps them move on. And live in the light of Christ. Don the Navy diver. was a frog man. In Vietnam, he's going to put bombs on Charlie's ships. He's swimming out to the ship to put his bomb on it. His buddy got there, put the bomb on it. Don's supposed to be watching, you know. Well, they figured out something was going on. They began to shoot in the water. So, you know, bullets coming by him. And he's going, oh, Lord. What am I going to do? He wasn't a believer. But the Gideons had given them testaments in the military induction centers. He stuck that thing in his pocket. A lot of them did that out of superstition. There's a guy right over here named Pastor Wayne Niffin that did the same thing. Stuck that thing in his pocket. A bullet come down and hit that thing. And the point of that bullet stopped on John 3.16. Do I need to tell you that Don is saved? Uh, I should say. Hotel manager in Chicago calls up the Gideons and is having a fit. Now, it's 1030 at night, and most of us are old guys. He calls them up and says, I got to have Bibles in this hotel right now. They say, what, what do you mean? He says, they give me this hotel to manage t- uh, yesterday. I got to get the Bibles in it. And the guy says, well, I'll see if I can, you know, find some and get them over to you. He says, and he did, he was able to find them and get them over to him. And he said, why are you having such a fit about getting these Bibles today, you know, Sunday night? He said, I want to tell you something, Hoss. He said, I've managed hotels for 40-something years. And wherever one of these is in the room, I've never had to clean up a suicide. He said, and I've cleaned up plenty of them where they weren't there. Tell me the word of God ain't powerful. Ray Stewart, Mr. Ray Stewart lived right over here at dawn. He was a farmer for many years. Wonderful man. He would get so tickled that he wanted to go with me to Boy's Ranch to hand out the testaments. And they they put us in the lunchroom hall so all the Kids coming by, you know, we could give them a testament. And uh, I can't remember what happened. I couldn't go with him one year. And he went on by himself, and he got up there, and he was passing out the testaments, and they always invite us to eat lunch with them. So you go in the lunch room and have your lunch, you know, and you can talk to the kids, and they can come talk to you. And he said, I was sitting there eating lunch, and he said, this little fella, about 10 years old, comes piling in there right in front of me, and he Hails out, out that little testament to me, And he says. Mister. He said. I believe Jesus got up from the dead. And I want to be in Jesus. Can I do that? Ray says you sure can. He says you want to pray with me? He did. He says. I had no more God amen out of my mouth. And that little feller is out the door. Boom. He's gone. And he said, I thought, boy, what? Did I say something or what, you know? He says about 10 minutes later, he comes back all out of breath, dragging his friend up to him. And he says, tell him, mister, tell him. That's what the word of God does. Makes you an evangelist in a second. The witch doctor in Ghana. Gideon's there wondering how I'm going to... This guy's got control of this town. He's got control. 700 people. He's got them under his thumb. He's there praying, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do with this. He's, he's got his little testament open in his hut, on his knees, praying. And it starts to rain. Well, this old mangy mutt comes running into the tent, or the hut, takes the scripture and runs straight to the witch doctor's house and comes back out without the testament. And he goes, and the Gideon standing in the middle of the road, you know, all wet going, what'd I do? Well, God did it as normal. In about two weeks, the witch doctor was telling everybody about Jesus. 700 people. Came to Christ because of that one testament. That one testament cost about a dollar and 35 cents. Praise God. I'd like to be that old boy that gave that dollar and 35 cents. Maybe I was. I hope I was. There's a guy that had a bird nest built on his chimney in Russia. These big old birds. Birds. They want a place where they can get up high so they can see their prey, you know. Well, he's starting to get cold. He had to take that bird nest off because the smoke couldn't get out the chimney. He's up there tearing that bird nest up. One page out of the book of John, somewhere that bird found that thing. And when he went to tear it off, he found it. And he sat down and read it over and over. 76 of his family members are in Christ because of one little page out of one little testament. That's the power of God. I could go on. There's about 10 million of these I could tell you. Because, what did he say? His word will not come back empty. What can you do to help us? Pray first. Pray that the, we keep this open. That we, the world's begging for the word of God. It is. Everywhere except the United States. Every week in Nashville, Tennessee, where the headquarters of the Gideons are, there are at least 25 people that get on their knees and say, where do we send them this week? Because we don't have enough. To send them to wherever they're requested. That happens every week. How can you help? Like I say, pray. You can join us. You can join us as a the Gideons. There's a few qualifications. One of them is you must be born again. You must be active in your church. And your pastor has to recommend you. If your pastor don't know who you are, maybe you ought to change that. Okay? Uh, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you the truth. Or you can be a friend to Gideon's. You can pray. Or you can pray and give. That's up to you. Uh, We'll talk more about that after this if you want to. And right back there is a card rack. right, Right over there. It says life on it. When you have an occasion... When somebody has a birthday, when somebody passes, whatever, send them a card. And what you're doing by that is sending Bibles. Sending Bibles. So, just so you know, 100% of what you give to Gideons goes to purchase Bibles and place them. Like I say, there is no overhead, there is no administration. As members, we cover that on our own, and we want you to receive the rewards of placing Bibles in an unbeliever's hand. I'll tell you one more story from my good friend down at Odessa. He went to Mozambique, and they had a school distribution, and he said, man, this about killed me. He says, we had testaments and we passed them out to all the little kids. And he said, this little girl comes up to me and she didn't get one. And he said, she looked at me with them big brown eyes and tears running down her face and said, Mr., will you come back? Will you come back for me? He went back to Mozambique five times. (sighs) He's not physically able to go anymore. But he'd go a lot more if he could. He said, I will never forget that. And he says, you know... If somebody could have given $2, I'd have had a testament for that baby. He said, I want you to tell people in churches about that. They need to know. The world is begging for the Word of God, and we can supply it. Right now, Gideon supply about 88% of the Bibles we give out from the United States. You want to change the world? You want to change the world? you serious about changing the world? Here's an opportunity. We have guys in this congregation that are Gideons. Eric Rushing, Dennis Stevens, Justice Brozek, myself. You know why we're in that? Because... The world is lost and hurting, and they need a Savior. And there's a way to get it to them. So I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord uh, what you want to give. You talk that over with him. But I can tell you that 500 bucks will work a hotel, even one alongside an interstate. I will tell you that uh a dollar and thirty-five cents, you multiply that by hundred, will get most of the villages in Africa, China, and India. And I'll tell you that the Gideons are organized in two hundred and one countries across the world. There's only about nineteen where we're not. And that's where radical Islam is. But We have soldiers in those places. And guess what they got in their pocket? Praise God. So don't lose any hope. Uh, It's about time to eat, I think. So think about that. I'm going to ask that you uh, go by Jerry back there. And uh, if you want to give, put the... Check in his hand, or and you make that out to Gideon's International. Don't make it out to me, please. Um, and I want you to know something that Jesus really loves you, and he is really proud of you, and that you are the light. Even if you disagree with your brothers and sisters once in a while. Even if your circumstances put your feet in the stocks. Even if you get beaten. You're only defeated for a little bit. Then things will shake. The Holy Ghost will show up. And everything will turn around. So if you want to see people saved, ask the Holy Ghost what you want to do about that. Write it up. You put the seed in the barn, we'll make sure it gets planted. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord Jesus, we come to you giving you praise.